Jesus' teaching about prayer. What a great teaching it is to model for us what prayer is, to give us a model of how we might structure our daily and ongoing prayer life so that it helps us focus on the three relational spheres of our life. And in great measure, that's what the model prayer allows us to do. It, of course, reminds us that our lives are centered in the presence of Jesus and the person of God. As we we focus in that relational sphere, we know that prayer is somewhat spiritual, somehow spiritual, and it helps us focus on God. It certainly then has aspects of focusing on other people, right? We are told to forgive others as we have been forgiven, and uh, and we're going to hear again about that desire as well. But it also helps us focus on, on how we relate to ourselves and knowing God's relationship in us and with us, and allowing us to think about temptation and how God gives us strength and wisdom to overcome temptation, to not fall into it. As we continue this morning, we will read one last time during this series uh, this uh, great teaching about prayer, and we're going to hear the, the really amazing summary statement that Jesus gives about the prayer. Here it is again, Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 9. The Bible says, This then is how you should pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So far, that is the part of the prayer that we've repeated over and over. And that is the model that Jesus has given us to pray. But then he gives this summary statement in the next two verses, which follow. Verse 14. Jesus says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. What an amazing and fascinating way to summarize his teaching about prayer. Jesus, I think, is emphasizing the very practical reality of faith in our life. Faith, of course, is spiritual, but it has every contour of practicality in our lives, and it helps us navigate uh, what are often sticky and tricky uh, relationships in our world, and we are called to be people who forgive. It's, it's a way of marrying prayer, both with what the greatest commandment is, uh, the scripture tells us, about loving God and loving others. Jesus was once asked, what is the greatest commandment, Jesus? helps summarize it all up for us. And Jesus' response was this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. What is Jesus saying when he was asked to give us the greatest commandment? Help, us, help boil all of the things, the, the important things of life, Jesus. Boil them down for us into something that's portable in our lives. And Jesus says, love God and love your neighbor. And in many ways, the model prayer in Matthew 6 is a way of helping us love God and love others. That is so important for us to understand the love of God. And I've got an illustration, but I'm going to walk to a whiteboard here to help us 
uh, understand this idea a little better today. It's about love. What does it mean when, when Jesus tells us to love God and love others? We are told, the scripture says, that God has first loved us. So the love of God has come down to us, right? The Bible says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he sent Jesus, his unique son, into the world that whoever would believe in him would never die but know the eternal life that God provides. So God has sent his love to us in the coming of Jesus. And we then, our people, uh, Jesus says, when he answers the question, what is the greatest commandment? God has first loved us. We know what love is because God has first loved us. But we are called to respond now with love back to God. So the love of God has come down. We respond with love to God. But Jesus says in the greatest commandment, you are to love God by your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it, to love others as yourself. So we talk about sometimes thinking about the, the vertical relationship we have uh, with God, but also the horizontal aspect of our relational lives with others. To love God and to love others. The love of God has come down. And our love for others goes out from us. And you see it intersects right here. You can see what it's making as a cross, right? The love of God is known and recognized most profoundly in the cross of Jesus. And when you come to faith in Jesus and you give your life and accept the work that he's done on the cross, it allows you now to not only love God, but to love other people the way God does with the same desire for them. So this is the intersection of our faith life. It comes together in the cross of Jesus, where we know now the love of God has come down in Jesus. Jesus comes into our life, and Jesus in us now works his love through us so that we are able to love other people. This is what forgiveness allows us to do as well. Forgiveness is an expression of love. Forgiveness is a practical outworking of love. The Bible says that God has loved you so much that he would come into you even though your relationship with him was utterly broken. That didn't prevent him from taking a step of initiation to you. And we know that God's love is expressed in forgiveness. And so forgiveness is part of the practicality of what loving others is about as well. Jesus says to us, Part of the prayer, God wants you to forgive our debts to you just as we are forgiving the ones who are indebted to us, the ones who have sinned against us. God, forgive our sins just like we are forgiving the sins of others. And then Jesus summarizes the prayer by coming back to this theme of forgiveness. Because if we are to live, our prayer life is to shape in us the great commandment of loving God and loving others. It must be expressed in major ways in the way that you learn to forgive other people. So sometimes in understanding what a term is, it's good to look at what it's not. What forgiveness is does not mean in our lives today. Forgiveness does not mean that I cannot have appropriate boundaries that are healthy in my relationships with other people. That 
is not what forgiveness means. It, it, forgiveness does not uh, disallow the appropriate and healthy boundaries in relationships with others. Forgiveness doesn't mean that I am trapped in an abusive or toxic relationship. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness does not necessarily mean that the consequences for actions are removed. Right? Forgiveness can still be there even though someone suffers and deals with the consequences of choices made. Forgiveness does not mean that I, I won't carry the scars of life, the scars in my experiences with me. Forgiveness does not mean I will not carry scars. So what does forgiveness mean? What does the Bible point us to? What is Jesus meaning when he tells us to forgive others in the way that we have been forgiven? I'm glad you asked. Forgiveness means that I'm embracing the depth of God's forgiveness in my life. You see, when I grow in my ability to forgive other people, it is a, a signal that I am learning to appropriate and understand in a deeper way the gravity of my sin and the depth of gratefulness I have for God's forgiveness of me. There's always a relationship there. If I'm unwilling to forgive others, Jesus is telling us it's a, a signal and a warning sign that I have not really understood or embraced the deep forgiveness of God for the depth of my sin. What forgiveness means is that I no longer seek punishment of others because of my anger. That's part of what forgiveness is. Forgiveness doesn't mean that there are consequences, but I'm no longer pursuing punishment because I'm mad. That's what forgiveness means. It means that I've moved from seeking retribution to seeking restoration. It means that my relationship with this person who has done me wrong and done me dirty, it means that my relationship with that person has moved beyond a pursuit of retribution, and instead now I'm seeking restoration. Forgiveness means that I'm acting in love. Forgiveness means that I'm living in the full life that Jesus has given to me. That's what forgiveness is all about. The Bible is filled with passages connecting our reception of God's forgiveness with our giving of forgiveness to others. There is always, there, there is an unbreakable relationship. And it is throughout the Bible that when I understand, not just here, but I understand it in my heart and life, the depth of what God has forgiven me, then it, it gives me insight and power and strength and the ability to forgive other people. We're going to read a few of those together. We're going to look at Colossians, but the references will be on your screen. We're going to look at Colossians and Ephesians and then Matthew, and then uh, we're, we're, we'll be pretty close to wrapping up. Here's what the Bible says. Paul picks up this idea in Colossians chapter 3. He says, uh, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Listen to this. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Paul is talking to the church. He's talking to the church of the city, and he's telling them how to live their lives. 
He tells another church group that meets in another city of Ephesus. Here's what he says to them. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Listen, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, God, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Let me just pause there for a minute. You see, part of what the Bible is helping us understand is that the way that we talk to other people and about other people, uh, it really matters. When we speak about or to other people in slanderous ways, in gossiping ways, uh, in abusive language, it really matters. And it is pointing to a heart that is diseased with a lack of forgiveness and a lack of love for others. Do your words spoken to or perhaps about somebody else, do those words build up or do they demolish? Do they add strength and light and love or do they add weakness and darkness and neglect and hatred? Do your words build up and demolish? Pay attention to the patterns of your speech because they will reveal so much about your heart and who you are and what has become a primary focus of your life. I remember a few years ago, I began to examine my speech patterns uh, just in the way that I was talking about issues and about things in my life, about experiences and circumstances. I, I began to, God was making me aware of, of some really negative things that had crept into my patterns of speech, and I didn't know where they had come from. I didn't think that was really part of the person that I understand myself to be, and certainly the man that God has, uh, is creating me to be in Jesus. And I began to notice a tendency that when somebody would ask me about an event or an episode in my life, that almost without exception, that the first things out of my lips, off my lips, were negative. I don't know why, I, I gravitated toward the things that weren't so great about that experience or about that conversation or about that moment. I was fixated on the negative things, on the things that I wish were different and better. But God began to reveal that to me and began to reveal that how even my speech patterns were revealing things about my heart. And you know what began to help correct me? The factor that helped really reveal this to me was a relationship that I had with former Pastor John Shells. And if you knew John, you knew how when you would ask him about something, he, he would just go overboard many instances with his positivity and uh, always focusing on the, the good things, even if things weren't great. And uh, that really marked me in really positive ways. And it helped me understand a lot of things about how important it is to put yourself around uh, positive people, people that uh, have uh, an outlook of seeking the best out of what God is doing in others. And it was just so helpful for me that God used John in my relationship with him 
as part of his, God's work in my life, of revealing my speech patterns to me and helping me understand that, that there was something in my heart that uh, was needing uh, attention. And so I thank God for the way that, that he worked in me in, in those moments. But speech patterns, Paul was telling us, can help reveal a lot about what is happening uh, in you. It can help point to uh, sickness in our heart, in the way that you talk to people or about people, and it's an opportunity for you to, to see that in your own life. Uh, one last passage that I want us to, to think about this morning comes from Matthew 18 about forgiveness. And it's a well-known parable that Jesus at, uh, gives us. And in Matthew 18, the Bible says, Peter, Peter came to Jesus and he asked him, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, for Peter, that sounded like a lot. That would have been complete, right? Um, and of course, it would be. But Jesus answered, he says, I tell you the truth. Uh, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like. So here's a teaching moment. Jesus is taking for Peter and for you and for me. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began to settle it, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. That's a lot of money. That was a big, big debt. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that they had be sold to repay the debt. Right? That was the debtor uh, prison system back then. The servant fell on his knees before him. He says, be patient with me, he begged. And I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Amazing parable. Rejoicing, right? Your heart should be like, yes! What good forgiveness. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. So it's a very small debt. The man had been forgiven this great debt by the master. He goes out to another servant who owes him just a very small amount, and he demands that it be paid back. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. Right, The same plea is offered, but a totally different response. Instead of uh, a release of the debt, it was a refusal to release the debt. He says that the man refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed. They were outraged. And they went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had had on you, in anger, his master turned him over to the jailer to be tortured until he should pay back uh, what he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will uh, treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. You get the point of the parable? It's pretty simple, isn't it? That we have been forgiven a great debt of our sin before the Lord. Jesus paid it on the cross. We have been forgiven a great debt and uh, as that forgiveness has come to us, 
We are called to be people uh, where that forgiveness moves through us. So we come back to our board, and instead of love now, love God, love others, we are called, because we have received the love of God, and we extend that love to others, we are also called to express that love in the forgiveness that we extend to others. Here it is again. The forgiveness of God has come down to us in the cross of Jesus. Right? The forgiveness of God, uh, from God. Forgiveness has come to us. Now we are called to extend and give forgiveness to others. This is what we are called to do. And you see here, where these two realities meet, is where we are to live our lives. This is where the fullness of life is to be lived every day. It's where the, the love and the forgiveness of God has come to me and to you, and how the love of God and God's forgiveness then goes through me. It comes to me and goes through me. The love of God comes to me, and it goes through me to others. The forgiveness of God comes to me, and then it goes through me, to my relationship with other people. But it's where these two realities intersect, where God and my, my interaction with others, that is where the fullness of life is lived. We as a church are pursuing to be a church that calls Marin and beyond to live the fullness of life that Jesus offers us. Part of that fullness is to be people of love and people of forgiveness. People who know the love of God, and, and extend that love to other people and people who receive the forgiveness of Jesus and then extend that forgiveness off to others as well. That is where our lives are lived. That's where the fullness of life is lived. Not in self-absorbed activity. Not in self-focused uh, hanging on to my bitterness and anger. Not, not in, in, in not allowing God to, to touch my pain or my brokenness in this relationship. Uh, because we all know what pain is. We all know what relational hurts and scars and wounds are. But holding on to unforgiveness is not the way that healthy people deal with the pain of life. And so God wants, he invites you to forgive, in part because it is going to restore relationship, in part because the other person needs to have the, 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 the burden of guilt removed, but in part forgiveness allows the one who forgives to also have the burden lifted from their heart and their life. And that's what God wants for you. That's the life He wants you to live in. Not an occasional life of forgiveness, but an everyday kind of forgiveness where you approach your relationships with a similar spirit that the God has approached you in a desire to love you and to forgive you. That is to be the hallmark of your life in Christ, is that you are to love other people, and to express God's forgiveness to them. Because when you forgive others from the heart, it demonstrates that your heart has been touched truly by the forgiveness of God for your sin. Brother and sister, I pray today that you have come into an encounter with Jesus where you know the forgiveness in your heart, deep in your bones, you have come to Jesus and, and you, you've confronted your sin and, and you've repented of that sin and, and you've asked the forgiveness of Jesus into your life to wash you clean and you've engaged now 
and on this pathway of discipleship, this, this roadway that leads you into a deeper understanding and a deeper walk and relationship with God, that leads you then to an, a, a deeper understanding and, and practice of forgiveness to other people in your life. We said it a few weeks ago, that yes, we know that when people hurt other people, it's often because they have been hurt themselves. Hurt people hurt people, right? But it's also true that forgiven people forgive people. When you have understood and lived in the forgiveness of Jesus, you are called to be one who forgives others in the name of Jesus. May it be so in your life this day and all days. Let's pray. God, thank you for this moment to be together in this worship service for the songs that we have sung together to express our life and love to you. Uh, God, may, may the way that we live our lives, may we love each other, not just with words, but in the actions of our life. And one of the great ways that love is expressed to others is in the way that we forgive each other. The way that we are willing to forgive, not just talk about it, but to actually do it. So we thank you for the good models and examples in our lives that have helped us uh, be, uh, understand uh, how to live in a way that pleases you, in a way that helps us live in the fullness of life, Jesus, that you offer to us. May we live in it today through forgiveness as we forgive others. God, guide us in this, we pray today now in Jesus' name together. Amen.